Sonic Outcast here. Back in 1997, I tried to make my own freelance publication, Hunnic Outcasts. Founded in a thesaurus, Hunnic meaning gothic, Outcast is what I pretty much was. Films, any genre, comics, any genre, TV, you name it, I love discussing it. And now that we're in the podcast age, I still podcast with my partners in crime, Edward, Kendra, Todd, and any other guests that wish to come on the show. My gimmick is... I've got a BA in social science, so I try to bring philosophical and psychological aspects to it. But don't take my word for it. Listen to these testimonials that I have right here. Ahem. We know that you're serious. We've gotten little Johnny's ear in the mail. We don't have much money. But if you please accept us, we just want him home safe and sound. I don't know how that got there. Let me spell it out for you. H-U-N-N-I-C-O-U-T- C-A-S-T-S. We're on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. We're on the interweb. The interweb. It's not just for pornography anymore. Folks, Hunnic Outcast Season 4 is back. I've already stated the updates. Like I said, Todd's been a little bit busy. Kendra and Edward, of course, as you've seen on the Facebook as well. But... When we do all get back together, I have a feeling it's going to be during Hanukkah. I have something special planned. As of the date of this podcast, we lost both Martin Lando and George Romero on the same weekend. And I was really hoping for Romero as an internet rumor. On the other hand, I knew that Romero was a chain smoker because in several of the interviews that I have gotten online everything from one of the fire and pretty much when he's in Queens in the Museum of uh, Moving Image he was smoking and so I'm not surprised that we lost him due to lung cancer. George's story is a little bit more classic it's also a little bit more tragic because with Night of the Living Dead he kind of was playing around with the title of the movie, forgot to put on the copyright, and I'm sure you know the rest that the movie's in public domain. He was really over the past forty something years has been trying or had been trying to get the copyright removed and get all the royalties, but he's gone now and I'm sure it's gonna be funny during the fiftieth anniversary, which is actually next October, not this October. I don't know, you know, if, if things will change. Not that it matters, because he'll... Unless he looks down from heaven and, you know, sees that it's finally paid off. But I do want to thank the fans, because there were several sites today that were streaming the original Night of the Living Dead online on a loop. And I spent... I was watching the documentary today and the audio commentaries. So, this really hit me hard. I didn't even know he was 77, but... And besides Night of the Living Dead, there was Creepshow and Monkey Shines. I haven't seen Monkey Shines in decades. It's, it's about a paraplegic that has a helper monkey that apparently was given an injection of some serum that made it too intelligent. So, it's I, like I said, I only saw it one time in the 80s, but it didn't look too terrible. Let's not forget he also was part of the Tales from the Dark Side, the movie as well as the TV show. Not a fan too much of that TV series, but the movie wasn't terrible. And I don't think he was part of the Creepshow sequels. And let's not forget... Well, actually, I guess we should. Survival and Dire of the Dare. I know he was trying to work on another zombie movie that, sadly, will never be. 
But out of all the six movies that he did direct, I have to give him Night, Land, and Dawn. And I think that's fair enough. And as for Martin Lando goes, I mean, I first saw him in Ed Wood. I, did, I forgot that he was in Mission Impossible. But, again, I do have something planned for Hunter Queen this year. For both of them. Both of them. But the man who's hacking and wheezing in the background, this is Gene Hoyle. <laughs> that Gene, as you probably know, worked on a book back in 2014 that Hunter Gowcast uh, helped promote. And the numbers, well, when we were on Spreaker, kind of did well. And I kind of hope. But now that we're on the big leagues, on SoundCloud, and through other networks, and on Twitter, and the feeds... Gene now is um, let me let me go back a little here. Uh, Gene sadly last year suffered an aneurysm and thankfully he's doing well and the year has passed and he's now working on another book that has an Indiegogo campaign and I think it reached its goal and then some. Gene. Yes, um, we are actually as of right now this recording uh, we're at a hundred dollars past our goal. We tried for six, we got seven. Uh, but we still have 12 days left, and we are trying for uh, our stretch goal, which is going to be an Indiegogo exclusive cover. Yeah, and we're going to talk about all these little Indiegogo presents that you can get if you donate anywhere between two dollars to what is it? Fifty dollars is the is the main is the final one, or what is it? Uh, it's either forty or fifty. It's not very high. I, I personally didn't want to have a huge tier in this for this particular comic. Uh, whereas with runners, I had as many high ones as possible. I really wanted to get that book out there. But this, I want the book itself to be the, what sells this campaign. Um, so for the most part, with with a couple of obvious exceptions, it's just the book. Um, you know, and the book is done too, so there's no room for cameos in the book or anything like that. Um, it is written, it is drawn, it is lettered, it is actually. I have copies in my hand because I did a small shipment for uh, an upcoming convention. Be at the Florida Supercon at the end of July. Yes, uh, I'll be uh, tabling with myself, Nerd Nation Radio, and Nerd Nation Publishing, uh, table Art Valley H7 and H8 with my uh, with my podcast co-hosts, Kurt and Jack, hanging out. Well, that's perfect. I probably will be there on a Saturday, so that'll be good. I haven't been to Supercon in, well, since... I'd say a couple of years. I mean, there's so many conventions, but this will be good. I, and I think that's one of the better ones to go to right now. Uh, I, I agree. In the meantime, and I, and I can't wait to talk about some of these prizes, because one of them I, I love. Uh, but I'll save that towards the end. In the meantime, Labyrinth of Bones. This seems to be, in my opinion, because you did send me a copy and I did look it over. Um, this... I think the title pretty much says it all. It is a labyrinth. You have your typical good versus evil, which is not bad. Uh, you, of course, have a minotaur, because you can't have a minotaur without a labyrinth and vice versa. You also seem to have a little bit of Game of Thrones mixed in, or at least... It, it, you know, it's, it's really funny that you say that. Um, and, and people may think I'm being disingenuous here, but when I actually wrote this, I actually had no intention on any sort of Game of Thrones uh, connection. Although, although I can see where it comes from. This is a fantasy book, of course. And it's, you know, a lot of it is about revenge. Uh, and I'm not sure that, that we have a good versus evil here. I think Gil might be good early on, but I'm not sure he manages to hold on to that throughout the story. Um, and that, that's, to me, one of the things that makes him an interesting guy to me. Uh, I don't think he's doing necessarily the right thing uh, in his mission. And I think that's kind of cool, because uh, 
One of the things that I, I've always found interesting about the Minotaur and the Labyrinth is back in the early 2000s on the History Channel when they weren't having Honey Boo Boo and Kate married, you know, 12 kids or whatever, uh, they would actually focus on history. And there was this great miniseries called Clash of the Titans. And, oh, no, I'm sorry, um, was it Clash? No, it wasn't Clash of the Titans, but, but it was something playing on the words of Clash of the Titans. I, I got to go back and look at it, but I have it on DVD somewhere. And what they did was, is they took a couple of Greek mythology um, stories and they took one based on Tolkien. And pretty much what they did was that they, this was, um, I think, seven or eight episodes. And without commercials, they're 44 minutes long. I gotta go back and I'll put them in the show links because I think now you can find the complete series on YouTube. Or you can go on History Channel and pick up the DVD. It's it's a really great series, but it started off with Zeus and it ends with Tolkien. And pretty much what they do is they they kind of have these Hollywood esque reenactments, but they're not cheesy or over the top. And it's some great narration. And one of them was the Minotaur and. I, I do want to discuss this because the Minotaur is in the story. Uh, long story short, the the origin of the Minotaur was there was a king and queen, and they had to sacrifice a bull to Poseidon, the king of the uh, the god of the sea, every year. And this queen was in love with this one bull, and she didn't want to sacrifice it, so they figured they just sacrifice any old bull. Poseidon was upset, and he was like, okay, you really love this one bull you didn't want to sacrifice, I'll make you love the bull. And apparently he made the queen fall in love with the bull, uh, she mated with it, and gave birth to the Minotaur. Now, I'm sure in real life this is somebody back then who gave birth to someone with a birth defect, but sure. the baby was abandoned and was placed in the labyrinth, and apparently... The labyrinth would be for anything for... Prisoners would be sent there to die, or it would pretty much be like a very early game show, if you want to call it that. And pretty much if you got to the middle and you fought the Minotaur and you killed it and you somehow had to prove, you know, you get anything that you ever wanted. And of course, in, in Greek mythology, we all know what happened with... Yeah. In Greek mythology, we pretty much know what happened with the Minotaur. So... I've always been fascinated with this creature and its origins, but this is a different take on the labyrinth because this seems to be with higher stakes. This also seems to be where nobody's ever gone through the labyrinth, gotten to the Minotaur, because different people over the years have written and given different takes of how big this labyrinth is. Uh, the dimensions on both the height... And the length of the, of the labyrinth could be anywhere between 7,500 square feet long, and the walls can be 50 feet. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, grasping straws, yeah. because it always depends on like, how you see it in Greek literature, when, when they have illustrations, or when you watch it on Saturday morning cartoons, or whatever the case may be. I have been through a couple of hedge mazes, so I know how difficult it could be, but... My, this uh, this labyrinth is actually even a little more complicated than a normal one because as people die in it, the bones are absorbed into the labyrinth, making it shift once again. 
Um, so it's, it's an ever-changing maze made up of the bones of the people that, that don't get through it. That's the thing uh, I wanted to ask you as well, because that's what I was going to bring up next. This, out of all the labyrinths that I've seen in Greek mythology and not, because there's also the Shining, which is that great hedge maze scene. But sure. my, my question to you is, you've got to change the game with the labyrinth, because sometimes they're rectangular and sometimes they're sphere-shaped. But you change the game in a way that if anybody dies now, their bones will be part of the labyrinth, and that's how it shifts around and how it always changes. So it's never the same thing twice. Exactly, yes. So that, I'm sure, didn't take too long to come up with that idea. Well, it's interesting. Um, when I first wrote this story, it was the actually the singular image of the bones from the labyrinth pointing the way to the center, um, which is, spoiler, something Gil used at one point in the story. Um, that's the image that actually created the entire, that I created everything around, uh, because that just popped into my head one day. And this was originally supposed to be a six-page story, which would have gone into Nerd Nation Presents number two. Uh, but once I was talking to the artist, <coughs> pardon me, I talked to the artist and, and the, the other guys involved, and everyone was like, this needs to be a full-length book, because it's just strong enough to be that. And I'm glad I did that, because it gave me a chance to strengthen... Um, some, some of the things going on in there, some of the characters. I don't think Elizabeth was particularly a great character in the six-page version, but she is fleshed out a little bit in this. Um, and, and the Minotaur, actually. The, the battle with the Minotaur, which when the artist turned in these pages, I was blown away. Now, but they were part of, part of the book. Now, here's the one thing I wanted to ask you, because uh, you and I, of course, you know, you wrote the story and I read the... But do you want to explain a little bit about the hero Gil? Would he be the antagonist, the protagonist? Because he kind of changes around. We do know that he has a wife, but yeah. while he's in, while he's been sent to go to the labyrinth, uh, the wife we see over the t period of time she becomes pregnant. Well, actually, uh, Gil is an army and the soldier in the in the army. He's, ah, sorry, he's a soldier in the army of Farson, which is the kingdom. Um, he is set off to war, and it is during that period that she's pregnant, like he impregnates her before he leaves, uh, but he doesn't know this. Um, and basically what happens is she is forced to beg because she can't do her job, which is which is brewing spells, when um, she's pregnant. It's dangerous. So, and, and his payment as a as, uh, soldier isn't going, coming back home like it should be. So the kingdom kind of screwed him over. And so the, the king sees her begging, and sentences her to the labyrinth. And that's how she dies. Okay. Which is, yeah. So, uh, so, so Gil spends a couple of years um, traveling the world looking for the founder, the guy who built the labyrinth, and finding out all the, well, finding all the materials he needs to defeat the labyrinth. Uh, so he has a little bit of an advantage going in. He, he does have some cheat codes, but uh, that doesn't necessarily guarantee victory. Now, the one question, of course, is... Did you come up with this idea through Greek mythology, through playing Dungeons & Dragons? How did you come up with another Labyrinth story and trying to change the game around a little bit to make it different and not make it like previous Labyrinth stories? Uh, well, well, essentially, as I said, it was meant as a very small revenge story. And I thought to myself, you know, I, as much as I love these mazes that you see on TV shows, how can I do TV shows and movies? How can I make mine different? And um, <clears throat> I just thought to myself, gosh, you know, if no one ever passes through this Labyrinth, there's really an awful lot of dead bodies lying around. <laughs> so I thought to myself, well, just let's, let's make them part of the labyrinth. Let's make this this horrid, 
thing where there's these these skulls and skeletons and that's the walls of the maze. It just seemed like the creepiest thing I could possibly think of. And I love there's an image early on in the story where Gil is uh, kind of gently stroking one of the skeletons, wondering if that might be his wife's. And to me, I just thought that was so tragic. I'm like, that's going to be... I got that in there. Well, they... Yeah, they say the best love stories are the most tragic, so I do appreciate... And again, I don't want to spoil too much, but people are going to be picking up this book regardless, which is fine. Because by the time, you know... I, this is this is um, this is the first issue. I mean, how many issues are there going to be? Well, it, this is a standalone story. Um, you can pick this up and you have the whole story, and you don't ever have to read anything I do again because uh, if you hate me from the ending or something. But it's not really the end of Parson. Uh, I do have two other stories in mind. Uh, the idea is to write the other two and have them produced at the exact same time. Um, so hopefully be having them done in, let's say, a year from now. Uh, and then all three stories will be collected into a trade paperback in full color. Oh, that's that it. is the goal at this point, you know, uh, assuming we all live through that next year. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Trump is still president, so I'm dependent <laughs> on Obamacare and everything. Although still no um, missiles have flown yet. Well, actually, just from North Korea. But yeah, but meanwhile, what I want to do is that I'm just clicking right now on my browser because I just want to go over the uh, perks that you can get if you go on the Indiegogo.com, which I'll put the uh, page in the show notes. Uh, the, for the two dollars, you get the Roll the Bones perk, which is a thank you on NerdNationRadio.com. Yes, sir. Which is not bad. Yeah, yeah I, I think people like to have an introductory perk, you know, for something, getting something for just a buck or two. I thought that was good. Uh, the five dollars, the X-ray tier, is the digital PDF of Labyrinth of Bones and uh, the thanks. So at least you get the previous. Um, the ten dollar is the Boneyard tier, which is the physical copy of Labyrinth of Bones, and I guess all the previous perks I just mentioned. Uh, I'm assuming you get okay. Uh, for twenty-five dollars, the Breaking Bones tier is the physical copy, you get an autograph, and of course you get a copy of Gateway Runners, which Gene, myself, Kendra, and Edward discussed a couple years ago, which is a great story. Thank you. Gateway Runners. And, and you'll get, um, for $25, uh, there's another, I love this one, this, this is one I really enjoy, the Bone Dry Tear. This is an eight and a half inch copy of the cover, but you also seem to be getting these skeleton soaps, the skull and the crossbones, the handmade soaps. Oh, yes, the, the from uh, from our friends at Fandom Finery. I love uh, these. I have a friend that does these, these handmade soaps, and she's, she's just terrific. And uh, she came up with the idea of a cross-promotion, and I just loved it. How much did it cost you for, for her to make these soaps for you? Um, her cost on the soaps are $3.00. Um, and we retail them at five. Not bad. You see, you should be on Shark Tank for that one. And I want to yes. show a link for this because these bones of crossbones, these are something like a Saturday morning and they're excellent. It's the skull, and on the bottom you have the, the teeth, and, and of course you have the famous crossbones you see in any Looney Tunes cartoon. And the soaps, I believe, are all natural. Yes, uh, made from handcrafted from from goat's milk, I believe. Yes, and I've had goat cheese, and I can tell you it's excellent. You ever go up to a goat and try to feed it at a uh, petting zoo, and you always have that smell, like like from its breath. I mean, that's what goat cheese tastes like, but it's for some reason it's still good. 
<laughs> well, the soaps don't smell like that. I thank goodness they do have a uh, kind of a rosemary uh, scent to them. Well, I, I I love them. For thirty dollars, you get the indie creators tier, which is the one quarter page to run in Labyrinth of Bones, and then a write up on NerdNationRadio.com, which will be shared, of course, on their Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram and Twitter accounts, and an interview about your title production on Nerd Radio on the Nerd Nation Radio Show, which is not bad at all. Yeah, thank you. And um, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, and for $4, you get the Indiegogo exclusive cover tier, which is the Gil sits atop a throne of bones, which I guess would almost be like Game of Thrones. And this uh, is 25... That is kind of a little one, a little, little bit of a nod to that, yeah. And you get limited to 25 of these prints. Of the, of the cover, yes. There will only be 25 covers. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cover. It's Gil sitting on a throne with a little skull of the king at the bottom. Um, there's only 25. There will only ever be 25, and you can only get them from this Indiegogo. Now, now, I know since you've reached your stretch goal, are these two new ones? Because now I'm seeing $100 one and $175 one. Are these the two new stretch goal uh, tiers? Wait, wait. Do I have $170 tier? You know, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I don't remember having tears that much on there. Uh, for the $100... Yeah, well, for the 100 dollars you get the original concept art tier, which is David Johnson Jr. Oh. made five character sketches. Uh, one of a kind. Five are total available. First come, first serve. I uh, choose the character and email a gene at Third Nation Radio. And um, we will update of one cells, one fairy, two gill, three, four, five, which are blank right now. Yeah, there's kind of a reason for that. Uh, that tier was not supposed to go up. Um, it's there, and please feel free to take advantage, and I'll update it with the other three kick choices. But uh, we were we we're paying so much attention to the smaller tiers to get copies of the book out there. I completely forgotten there are two other tiers. And then for the one hundred seventy five dollar tier, big boned retailer tier, uh, we will draw and design an exclusive variant cover with your store logo. You receive twenty five copies of the variant cover and twenty five standard covers. They will be signed by Labyrinth of Bones writer Gene Hoyle, which is you. And you will yeah. also get 10 Labyrinth of Bone prints, and we record a one-minute commercial for your use on Nerd Nation Radio Podcast. Well, you can't really... And one person's already claimed that. Yeah, that was oh, our friends at Omaha Bound. Um, they, they're a company that does... Uh, they do exclusive um, covers and stuff like that on their own that they distribute. We also do have a second, more local store that... Um, pretty much going to do it, but we, we just have to work out the details. Um, so that tier is actually pretty popular at this point. And, of course, I will put the Indiegogo in the show notes. As I said, there are 11 days left for this goal. And any other perks to reaching the stretch goals or anything else you're going to offer of anybody? Well, you know, I, if I can come up with something else, I will. What I really want, and if you're listening to this show now and you check out the Indiegogo, it, there's some good tiers. I mean, obviously the the in the indie creator tier for if you have an indie comic or a product uh, that you want to push, we'll we'll do you a, you know a quarter page ad in the book. That's fine. And then of course the retailer one is for retailers. But what I want you guys to look at are the five and ten dollar tiers. I just want you to have that book in your hands because I really feel that this is probably the best work I've done so far, and I'm really excited to get it out there. And I'd rather have. Um, ten five dollar donations and one fifty. I just want people to read this book and 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 love it or hate it. That's that's my goal here at this point. 
Well, it's definitely worth it. I have to say that one. You know, it's it's a short read, but it's a read nonetheless. And again, it's it's pretty much about everything that we said. Labyrinth of Bones is a book about what remains when a man is stripped of everything that matters to him: his love, his duty, and his obligation. His hope all torn away from him. It's about revenge, murder, love, loss. Labyrinth of Bones is a high fantasy set in a world full of magic, but low on hope. Oh, and there are also a bunch of cool ass monsters too. With the <laughs> smiley face, and you cannot say no to that. There is some great artwork. You're going to see Gil in a typical friar cloak with some interesting weapons, and in the background, you'll see a bunch of angry skeletons. One almost looks like a 21st century version of Skeletor on the upper right, which I love with yes, the teeth. Uh, David, um, to keep himself from losing his mind when drawing like uh, 150 skulls or however many are on this cover. Try to make each one different. So you may see some skulls from from uh, you know pop culture in there, and just some odd looking ones. You really wanted to try to mix it up as much as possible, rather than like cutting you know paste and copy that same skull over and over again. Those are 150 hand drawn skulls on that cover. And I'll tell you, the the work is phenomenal, and I thank you for it. Uh, Gene, again, I want to thank you. This will definitely be up. Hopefully, well, it actually will. This will be up before your goal is over with, so you don't have to worry about that. Whatever is next for you, good sir, we know that you're going to be at Supercon, which I believe is in Fort Lauderdale this year, right? Yes, it's in the, uh, the Fort, La Fort Lauderdale Convention Center, I believe. Yes. It's the 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th of this month of July. Yes, and I plan to be there on that Saturday. And, of cool. course, you can check out Gene at NerdNationRadio.com. And as for me, this month is going to be interesting because, as I've said millions of times, I am not announcing any episodes until they have been recorded, edited, and uploaded. But I will say this much. I do have one special episode that's going to be up before the end of the month that I've been working on with my girlfriend. Uh, we did get our hands on some Looney Tunes DC crossover comics that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, yes. The Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, The Tasmanian Devil, Wonder Woman, uh, The Martian, Manhunter, The Lobo. And my, my personal favorites right now, surprisingly, are The Bugs Bunny and Batman. I mean, that's a given. But the other two are The Wonder Woman, Tasmanian Devil story, which kind of feels like Labyrinth of Bones, but it has a happier ending. I'll just say that. Uh, instead of The Minotaur, you have Taz. And as for the load, uh, the, I'm sorry, no, it, it's called Load Runner because it's supposed to be based on that uh, 80s video game, but it's actually Lobo, the main man, and he teams up with Wiley Coyote to get the Road Runner. And believe me, hilarity, oh, yeah, hilarity will ensue on this one. And the only thing I'm going to say that for now is I really appreciate how in the first several pages of these books, they're very. They're supposed to be very realistic. For an example, the human character is supposed to look human like Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam because he'll team up with Jonah Hex. But as for the animal characters, Taz, of course, is supposed to be part of Greek mythology now. But anything like uh, Wile E. Coyote and um, Porky Pig or Bugs Bunny, as he's going to be part of the Legion of Superheroes and Superman, uh, Bugs Bunny seems to have gotten two different books. Um, pretty much it's through alternate dimensions or scientific experiments. But I will say that Tom King right now can do no wrong. I, I, this, yeah. was, this was a hard one with this Bugs Bunny 
this Bugs Bunny Elmer Fudd was kind of disappointing towards the end because it's not too much Bugs Bunny Batman fighting, but I do appreciate what they did with the characters, how they're in a singing bar, and I also appreciate in the last several pages of the book, they go back into classic Saturday morning cartoon Warner Brother animation, and, and you'll see that because they'll have like one serious story and one silly one, so they kind of eat, have their cake and eat it too. So those books we will be discussing, and the rest of them should be out by the end of this month. And I will say that right now for Queen, yeah, there will be something dedicated to both Lando and Romero, as I will be reviewing not only Ed Wood, but a couple of the George Romero. I'm not going to be doing all of them because they've been done before by the podcasts. So I'm going to be doing something a little bit different when it comes to uh, the Romero tribute. But, Gene, I want to thank you so much for plugging your book. And, Absolutely, Dave. And until next time, folks. Gene, thank you for rolling them bones. <laughs> thank you for having me. Good night. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast hosted by me, Derek Carey. I was one of those monster kids growing up. The one that used to sit in the back end of that video store and scour over every single last film cover you saw back there. From the slashers, to the monsters, to the sleazy stuff. Yeah, I was freaking obsessed. And I still am. So much so, I became a filmmaker myself. Now I bring on all my filmmaker friends, critics, musicians, and any other fans of the dark arts, which are horror, exploitation, and cult film. Are you one of these people? Then tune in and listen to my show, Astro Radio Z. (laughs) 